You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remsa Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. I've got a weird tradition now, so, you know, the, the best thing about basically living a bachelor's life, uh, since I'm so alone here in Milwaukee, is the fact that all my errands, the only person who's got to complete all my errands and shit on the weekends is me. It's me and only me, and this is life for many a people, even some married people. But, uh, you know, when shit's gotta get done, shit's gotta get done, and I'm trying to get really good about cooking and meal prepping. Uh, the meal prepping has been better than it's ever been before, so usually I can go ahead and have at least two, three meals per day for about three, four days cooked in advance, because the one thing I really just don't like doing is I don't like going out to eat like I used to. I think when I first got here, I really wanted to go out and try a bunch of things, but I've tried everything I really wanted to try, and honestly, there's not too much variety here. Um, I mean, there's the Chinese restaurant that I would go to like every Friday for a month, and now my current kick is either Chipotle or, um, or Cheesecake Factory, and ironically... Now, now, this is something you might not know. My favorite dish at Cheesecake Factory, and this is why I no longer go to Chinese place, is the Cheesecake Factory orange chicken. It's in the specialties section of the menu. And you might be thinking, why would I go to Cheesecake Factory for Chinese food? Well, I mean, what? it's Cheesecake Factory. They've got like 13 million items on the menu. You really want to know what doesn't belong on a Cheesecake Factory menu? Cheeseburgers. Who the hell goes to Cheesecake Factory for cheeseburgers? I could ask the same thing. But, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. So, the, uh, the orange chicken 
is my favorite. Freaking love it. It's better than the stuff that comes out of the Chinese restaurant here. And I've made orange chicken. I usually get the bag of um, Trader Joe's Mandarin orange chicken stuff, and I'll make it. Uh, you know, it's it's good, but it's not the same. But but then what I do because I try and cook as many meals as possible. What I'll do like on Fridays is I've got this little hack. So here's what happens on Cash App every Friday you can go ahead and get 10% back for one purchase at a restaurant in Bitcoin. So here's what I do make sure I can get as much Bitcoin back for my overall dinner purchase. So this way not only I'm getting some money back, but I'm getting Bitcoin back, which is freaking awesome. So what I do is I go ahead and I order my Mandarin orange chicken in the specialty section of the Cheesecake Factory menu. Then what I do, because the next day is Monday, I've got... Uh, jiu-jitsu and yoga right after that is I order one more meal. So what I do, because I don't want to eat anything too hefty after going to work, going straight from work to jiu-jitsu and then doing yoga right after jiu-jitsu, is I've started ordering the avocado Thai tacos, which is in the appetizer section. Now, if you've never gotten these, they're, they're freaking awesome. So what they are is it's basically like, you know um, – You've, you've got like a whole bunch of like vegetables and stuff. I mean stuff you could easily make at home. But then you've got a whole bunch of like lettuce and cabbage wraps and stuff like that. So then you go ahead and you just basically it, – it's like it's like a vegetarian make your own taco thing. And usually it's, it's for an appetizer. But I go ahead and get it as a meal. And what I've been doing for that is I've been getting the avocado version instead of the chicken version. So you get um, two full avocados that have some seasoning stuff on there. So that way you get your fats and your protein. So I just go ahead and eat that. I eat that like a disgusting madman after classes and everything. You know, I, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to eat healthy, I might as well eat all this. It's freaking delicious. And you've got, um, you know, a little bit of kimchi on the side. You've got um, bean sprouts. you got everything. It's freaking delicious. So I, I make sure that that is my, my Monday dinner after everything. And then the rest of my cooking is is throughout the week. But, you know, just little things like that. To, to try and prepare. But going back to what, what I was actually really talking about, which was uh, running errands, um, th- this does tie into food. So, what, what you know, I, I don't like to go out to eat as much because, one, I've just – there's not a lot around here I really want to eat. Two, it's, it is definitely a money thing. But three, it's also just because like a lot of things that I would want to go out and eat, they've gotten freaking expensive. Now I'm I'm from Virginia. I'm an East Coast like food slut. When it comes to Chipotle, that you know, I'm basic. Like I will eat that shit all the time. But Chipotle, it got expensive for two reasons. One, because they went ahead and raised worker wages. Two, they went ahead and started offering a fuck ton of more benefits to employees. And three, inflation. So now it used to be like an eleven, twelve dollar meal is now like a fourteen, fifteen dollar meal. And the food quality hasn't gotten any better as a result. And I would even dare say that the food portion is not as good. Like they, they're definitely skimping on stuff. So now you're paying more not just because of all of that but also because of inflation. And you're getting less as a result of it. And that just, that just pisses me off. But sometimes 
sometimes I don't want to make a freaking sandwich. Sometimes I don't want to heat up leftovers. Sometimes I don't want to make another meal. Sometimes I just want to go out to eat. So I've been like, you know, I got to find a way that I'm not going to look down at my wallet or look at my food and feel like an absolute piece of shit afterwards. So um, I've got Costco membership. I'll go ahead and drive 20 minutes out to Costco and I'll go ahead and fill up my car. What I will do before that typically is I'll treat myself. And yes, this is me treating myself. I'll walk into Costco, not buy anything else because I, I usually do like one like big Costco trip a month and then you know I'll have to go grocery shopping after that. But what, what I'll do here is that before I go fill up gas, I'll go into Costco, I'll go to a little food court and I'll go ahead and get myself a single slice of pepperoni pizza and a fountain drink and the whole thing is less than like $3. And let me tell you, those pizzas, if you haven't seen those Costco single slices for a while, when it can fill up a dude like me, you know you're set. And the, and the food is freaking good. It's awesome. And if you also have Cash App, you can go ahead and get a 10% off discount on, uh, on the food court items if you do that. If you use the grocery store uh, boost for 10%. Now, I'd recommend... Use that on groceries if you know you're going to get groceries. But if it's a week where you have that boost and you don't need groceries, go to the Costco food court, get 10% off your off your pizza and everything. So you're saving like you know 10, 10 cents or something like that. But hey, it's money you don't have to spend. And what, what I'll do is I'll look at what I would have paid for a meal elsewhere, which is anywhere between like nine to fifteen dollars, depending on where I would have gone. And I'll do two things. One, I'll either buy, um, I'll buy a fractional share of a stock. I'll take like ten dollars and I'll go ahead and buy into like an S and P five hundred ETF or into a company I really like that pays a good dividend. Or I'll go ahead and just be like, you know what? I'm going to take ten bucks. I'm going to buy Bitcoin, and then I'll go ahead and fill up my gas and move about my day. So all this to basically say I'm cheap as hell and you know not I'm not broke. This is something that I wish I had done years ago when when I was broke. I'm very well off and comfortable right now. I'm not a millionaire. I'm going to be one day because the plan I'm doing is getting me there, but right now I'm not. And even when I do get to that point, I don't necessarily know if I'll change much. Uh, but what I do know is that when I didn't have money to invest, when I didn't have money to do things. That was when, ironically, I was spending money on things that I really shouldn't have been spending it on. I was eating out a lot. I was going out and doing stuff. I was buying shit I really didn't need. I was spending money just to spend money. And, you know, in the past year and a half, with the way the the, the world works and shit like that, I, I've changed my view of money in in two ways. One, I look at cash. My, my big thing was I used to want to keep like a ton of cash and I still keep, you know, a six month emergency fund in cash in case life happens because life happens. But um, I, I used to think, you know, I, I want to go ahead and have a year's worth or I want to go ahead and have as much cash and savings as possible. I knew what inflation was doing, but I needed that peace of mind. And then I got to the point where with the way that things ended up happening with the rampant rate of inflation we're seeing. And also, you know, when, when you're dealing with just one stream of income, you're just putting a little bit of money into investing and then you're saving the rest in cash. I, I really began to see that my wealth was just not growing. And I, I was having to work harder for less because 
everyone, regardless of how much money you make, uh, you got a 5% shave off the top of your salary of your primary income just in 2020 alone. And you're seeing it now with everything else. It's, it's gotten, it's gotten crazy. So now I've definitely gotten to the point where it's like, you know, I've got my six month emergency fund, but everything else I can, I could put towards either creating new streams of income or I can go ahead and invest it in ways that make me money as I sleep. And my favorite way of doing that is through dividend investing. Now I, I have gone through a giant uh, phase with dividend investing where when I learned about it, I was like, this is the best kept secret in the world. And honestly, like it's not a secret, but it is definitely one of those things that I never learned in high school. I didn't even learn it in college. My parents understood what it was, but they were like, oh, that's just for the super wealthy. And now I'm at the point where um, I'm growing my dividend income exponentially every year because I set it up in a way where I knew what individual stocks and ETFs and stuff I was going to put money into. And I realized how much money I had to buy into those stocks with in order to get X amount of return back annually. And also, how often are they paying these dividends? Am I going to reinvest them all all the time? Am I going to go ahead and go big here and go big there? All, All that stuff basically changed the way I saw investing. Because now for the first time ever, I developed the most reliable stream of income, and because I reinvest my dividends, it's going back and it's going and creating more wealth for me. And now my little, you know, my my little dollar army is going out and recruiting more dollars to help me. And, and I went ahead and saw what what is my largest uh, dividend income, which comes from AT and T. Now, some of you are hearing that you're like, oh, like AT and T, why them? Well, AT&T went through a bloated phase where they were just expanding too much, and while they definitely had the cash on hand and were making a profit, they were not meeting their annual. I'm sorry, they were not meeting their uh, their earnings uh, potentials, and there was just a lot of bloat. So what they had to do is they went ahead and cut off Discovery. Discovery is now its own thing. Um, they're really just doubling down on providing good 5G service. Uh, which is a majority of their income, and they're really just trying to think, you know, how can we go ahead and make sure that we're we're focusing on the good stuff that we do, so that way we can compete with Verizon and all these other uh, telecom companies. So because they had to cut their dividend a bit, they lost their dividend aristocrat status, which basically meant that their dividend never never dropped, and it did regularly increase. So while other people were definitely like, oh, I'm getting rid of AT&T, I saw that uh, big announcement as a big opportunity because one, the dividend cut for AT&T isn't going to go into effect immediately, but when it does go down, it's only going down a little bit by, by like a few points. It's still phenomenally better and way more reliable than a lot of other dividend paying companies. So when I saw these people doing a massive sell-off, I saw that as shit. This is a sale, baby. It's a sale. So I took a large amount of cash and I bought a ton of AT&T shares. And at the time, I didn't quite do the math. I was just like, you know, I've got I've got a large amount of money. There's a comma in there, so you know, I won't say how much, but there was a comma in there. And for for a millennial like me, like you know, making that big one time investment into AT and T was was a big deal for me. But uh, you know, I did it. And then when I saw the fact that I made like a few cents a few months ago from the shares of AT and T I I I owned then to 
what I saw next to the dollar sign when I looked at what I was getting the following quarter, I was like, shit, this is fucking awesome. It, it, it works. It, it works. It, it's just, it's just fantastic. And, and I remember telling friends about this years ago. Well, not years ago. It feels like a million years ago, but like during the pandemic last year, I told my friends about dividend investing and everything else. And you know, a lot of them do do the basic stuff. They have their employer matching 401k or they have like an IRA and, and they just go ahead and contribute to that, which I think are all great things. If you have an employer matching 401k, totally, absolutely take it to the max. I think uh, the Roth IRA, as I've talked about many times on this show, is is an amazing tool for, for building your wealth. But I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of also kind of figuring shit out on your own and, uh, doing that. Like I, I've got, I've got 401k, I've got IRA, I've got, uh, just a standard mutual fund that's taxed, but you know, I have this, I have this portfolio on Weeble and Robinhood and that's where I, I get a lot more of the stuff that I'm more personally, like directly day to day involved in. And, and a lot of my friends heard about it and they got involved and they got frustrated really fast and they were like, Oh, well, you know, I'm only making a few cents a month and stuff like that. And there's money I could put towards other things. And they, they had legitimate concerns. But my biggest thing was like, what if I didn't just have to restrict all my investing and all my saving and everything else, you know, based off my one income, that was when the idea of creating multiple streams of income mattered for me. So then it was, what if I can go ahead and create a regular and large, additional stream of active income through side hustles and things like that. And then I could put that money into my, um, you know, my investing. So 2020 came and then, you know, job loss happened. And I took the Dave Ramsey approach. And as I've discussed on previous episodes of the show, I took all my single stocks and I sold them. And what I did was I put the rest into uh, cash and my savings because I didn't know how long I was going to be unemployed for. And then eventually when I did get steady work, which wasn't a lot of steady work, what I did was I went ahead and maxed out my remaining contributions for 2020 and then I maxed out my contributions for 2021. And I still had a large majority of that left over in my savings. So then when I eventually did get a full-time job and then a few more streams of active income, what I did was I went back into, um, you know, Robinhood and I was like, you know what, I'm going hard right now. So then, you know, I basically tripled the amount of money that I had been saving in Robinhood, investing in that app in about uh, the full year. So all of 2020. And within about five months, I went ahead through all these extra streams of income on top of my my primary job. I went ahead and tripled my portfolio size through direct contributions to it. So just through my injection of cash, it was three times larger than it was when I had uh, cashed out to you know put it into savings and eventually put everything back into my uh, IRA. All this to say, if I had only had my one revenue stream, if let's say I only had one job and I didn't have all these other side hustles and other forms of passive income, I could not have invested the way I have been able to. And it's it, it's remarkable when I really see it because when you want to talk about like an emotional roller coaster, nothing makes you sweat more than your money. You all know this. But all of this has to do with something else. Uh, 
something that has bothered a lot of people online as primarily in the libertarian space on Twitter has been this argument over, are we going to go ahead and fund political platforms and machines to get our message out there? Or are we going to become as financially independent as possible so we can have the wealth, power, and influence to be true institutions ourselves? And I have fallen very firmly in the camp of build your own institution, be your own brand, be your own messenger, control the things you can control to the most degree. And, um, you know, it, it just comes to the point where it's like there are rules for the rich and there are rules for the rest, guys. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm eating Costco pizza and investing in Bitcoin and stocks, and that, that's my choice. And some of you might just be thinking, oh, well, you know, the collapse of civilization is next week. It doesn't matter if, if you're going to go ahead and buy into an S&P 500 fund and shit like that. And it's just like, you know what, fuck you, because we're – what what people, especially people that listen to this show do, is that they make the hard choices. They do the work to get shit done. And you see a lot of folks online who are immediately always talking about passive income streams. I'm here to tell you, not everyone is made to do drop shipping. Not, not everyone is made to just do a bunch of uh, print-on-demand gigs and stuff like that. Um, there's still a lot of value to side hustles and additional streams of active income. I'm a copywriter. I'm a ghostwriter. I'm an editor. I have my other shows. I have I have this and Second Print Comics, and um, you know, like it's it's an additional ten to 12, fifteen hours a week sometimes, but you know, it it does pay off. There's a reason why in all of 2020, my 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 single stock Robinhood portfolio got to X amount. And that, that was what I got from just the one stream of income I had at the time. And then, you know, almost uh, a year later, as soon as I actually really start getting back into it, by this point, I have multiple streams of active and passive income. And I triple the size of what I invested into my Robinhood portfolio in three months compared to how it was before I cashed out the year prior. Only reason, the only reason is because I had money coming my way. Uh, the Fed is going after, I'm sorry, by, by the Fed, I mean not the Federal Reserve. I'm talking to the government. The government is trying to go after people. Uh, and, you know, they went ahead and shot down the whole, we're going to spy on you for $600 transactions or more and stuff like that. They want to raise it to 10000 Now what they want to start doing is going after unrealized capital gains. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm just like, this is, it, it's bad enough. They went ahead and, and in the past year and a half alone, the federal government printed 40% of the circulating money supply. That meant that 40% of all money circulating in the economy right now was printed in the past year. That, that is a crime against you. That's a crime against your children. That's a crime against your parents. That's a crime against the next two generations of Americans. That is a crime. And what, what has happened is it wasn't good enough just to print all that money. Now they're trying to tax us out of existence. This is the fleecing of the American public. This is the fleecing of the American dream. This is a straight-up plutocracy. I, I, think that, I think that's the right term. Like this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is freaking bad, guys. And I'm not selling you anything... Um, I'm, I'm not 
like I'm, I'm not going to sell you a course or shit like that. But what I am telling you is that if, if you've been listening to this show, if you've been listening to our guests and our resources and the things I've been trying to bring up to you, understand I'm a fucking moron and I've been able to at least put myself in a position where I can take care of myself. I, I have a friend um, who went ahead and he was behind on his car payments and he got a couple tickets. And long story short, he's about my age and his car got repoed. And this guy moved to a brand new city. He was down on his luck already. He has one job, and it's barely enough to keep his apartment. And he had to go ahead and crowdfund. Now, this is the great thing just about what we're able to do. He, he, need, he needed a lot of money to get his car out. And then he's going to have to pay interest on a lot of shit. Like he's, he's not out of the hole just because he gets his car back. But he went ahead and put up an Indiegogo uh, – I'm sorry, crowdfund uh, – link and he was just like please help me donate so I, I threw some money in w- what I could at the time and other people were and it was beautiful because people were coming together and this year um, you know uh, a few months ago I told you about my friend Johnny whose puppy got parvo and it was like an $800 bill or something like that and what I did was I gave him a few hundred dollars but then we crowdfunded and we raised all the money we needed from people like you um, you know, friends and family and people that just wanted to help out strangers. We raised all that money in less than a couple of days. Like, like charity is amazing. But the only reason why is because we have the, we have the means to be able to contribute to things like that. So that's amazing when, when you have the ability to do, I try and donate to one or two causes a month, not, not anything crazy typically because there's just so much out there and you know depending on what I'm doing I might not have a lot of money but I always have some money I would rather give something than nothing and I bet that person would rather get something than nothing but but it hit me it's like I don't ever want to be in a position where I have to crowdfund to live and I see people do this for surgeries I see people do this for food um, I, I was on a show recently where I was talking about People in the pandemic who lived in five-bedroom houses, the first thing they did was they became house poor. They buy these huge homes, and they immediately fill it with shit that they put in their credit cards, and they're just slaves to debt. And then when somebody loses a job or gets furloughed or gets um, a salary cut or something, a family that you think is wealthy, they don't have cash, so they're crying for a stimulus check, a $1,200 stimulus check. They're putting stuff on Indiegogo. They're like, please help me feed my family. I never want to be in a position like that. I don't want to be the person begging. I want to be the person giving. Because not only is it good to give, but begging puts you in a terrible position. I have begged for things. I'm not going to lie. I have. And I would always rather be the giver than the beggar. And um, it, it's just one of these situations where I, I see I see really good people and they they're, they're going to get – they're going to get left behind. Um, I, I was on the phone with somebody really close to me recently. And we were talking about inflation and the possibility of a second lockdown, which I still firmly believe we will have another lockdown in the near future. Um, it, it, will, it will come between elections. It will not come near elections. Uh, that, that's my prediction. But, you know, I, I told them it's like, you know, I'm investing in uh, good dividend-paying stocks I'm taking care of all that stuff. I'm, I'm buying Bitcoin as a hedge. And then I said, you know, one thing I'm also doing is I'm buying silver. And he's like, why? I'm, buying, I'm like, I'm buying silver and gold. 
not not a large amount, but I'm buying enough that I deem enough. And the reason why is because if let's say you had a run on the banks, understand we're not gonna have run on the banks like you know in in um in It's a Wonderful Life where you know they they storm George Bailey's bank and they go ahead and take out all the money. The banks will always have access to cash. By law, they have to have they will always be able to have access to cash. The problem is though is that in Greece in 2009 uh, not only did the Greek government start going into people's retirement funds and saving accounts and taking cash just straight out of people's shit, but what they also did was they limited uh, the ability for you to go to an ATM and pull cash out of your checking account. I think they limited it to like the equivalent of twenty U.S. dollars a day, which is ridiculous. I could very, very seriously see the Biden administration in another situation like that not only going into people's bank accounts and just straight up taking money, but I also see a situation where banks will start rapidly and aggressively kicking people out, kicking clients out for political reasons. Uh, we've talked about debanking in the newsletter. Go ahead and subscribe to remso.substack.com. I think debanking is something we've been seeing and are really starting to see now, and it's only going to get worse. But what I also think is that eventually – um, we will we will see a situation where ATMs at banks will go ahead and limit your access to cash. And the thing is right now, like especially around Milwaukee, there are a lot of places that only take cash. It's because they don't want to pay the fees on credit cards. And let's be honest, some of them are probably not counting correctly because they don't want to pay taxes. So cash, despite the coin shortage and shit, has made a resurgence. But here, here's the reason why I, I went ahead and bought some gold and silver coins and bars. It's because, one, they, they, they do retain their value. You're not going to get rich by buying gold or silver. It will not it, – it's never done it, even in other cases of, of superinflation. So anyone telling you that you're going to ever – two things are a lie. One, you'll never get rich owning those. They're commodities. They don't make you money. They sit there. It's metal. Two, people that say that the U.S. dollar is going to collapse, I can tell you that when that happens, we're not going to go to exchanging gold and silver – we're going to be exchanging bullets and bottled water. The reason why I own gold and silver right now is because it, it, in the middle ground of all of that, if I need access to cash, and I'm not just going to go ahead and start holding cash because that's, that's impractical for many reasons, but hear me out. If I need access to cash, take the gold and silver, which is a good retainer of its value, go to a pawn shop or to a jewelry store, Sell it, get cash. Why? Because during a pandemic, during a depression, during a, a recession, people always start selling their shit. They they pawn it, they sell it. Pawn shops will still have it. I I am a big fan of pawn shops. I sell things to pawn shops regularly because I'm too lazy to take the time to do stuff on marketplace or post online. I'd rather get the cash. So go there and do that. So if I need cash, I know that those places will have cash. They are not doing bad in business at those times. And I can go ahead and sell that gold and silver and usually get, if not what I, what, what the value is, maybe a little bit even more than what, what I paid for when I was buying that stuff. So it's one of the situations where it's like you, you might come out a little bit low. You may come out even, 
But the odds are you could probably come out a little bit on top depending on how things are going, especially right now where since stress in the dollar is going down, you've got gold going up, you've got Bitcoin going up. When people fear inflation, they go for gold and silver. All this to say goes back to the Costco pizza principle. Yeah, one, I like it. But two, I, I'm in this situation where, yeah, like it's inconvenient sometimes. Maybe I want to have a better experience. Maybe I want to go buy something else. Maybe I want to go do something. W when I start seeing my investments grow, when I start seeing the ability where it's like, you know, I can go ahead and buy some Bitcoin, some other crypto. I can go ahead and buy a little bit of gold and silver. I can go ahead and buy extra food, extra things that I immediately need. I can go ahead and invest in a new business or something like that. It gives me a peace of mind that I wish other people could have because I I know that if I lost my job or something, um, you know, not knock on wood and stuff like that, like it would suck, but it, it sucks a lot more when you've got fucking nothing. And I'm telling you that from experience. But the, the biggest thing is, let's say I still, you know, everything is still fine in the world, but then we hit a point where they lock down again or some shit happens I I can escape, and I can do fine, and I just wish other people had that. So all this to say, I know this was a rant-filled episode. All this to say is like building additional streams of income, whether passive or active, is a bitch sometimes, but it's worth it. Having to delay gratification to put money from one thing into another and understand that time and compound interest are on your side and it will grow – is a bitch, but it will work. It will it will work out. But secondly, it's like prepare for the worst, but but live in the situation where you know that th things are not going to go into utter anarchy overnight. We've been close to that before, but it's never happened. So ignore the catastrophists. Be prepared for all types of situations. But just, just get to the point where it's like this on-the-run mindset is all about empowering yourself, being able to not just run away from bad situations but run towards opportunities because there are rules for the rich and there are rules for the rest of us. And we've seen what happens when the rest of us are the rest of us. We get locked in our homes. They devalue our currency and life is just fucking harder. There's no nobility in being poor. There's no real nobility in being rich, but you got a lot more fucking options when you have the means to get out of situations, and money is the key for that. Uh, always be the person giving to a GoFundMe campaign because someone's car get repoed. You don't want to be the person who can't afford to get their car back, especially when that car is the only way you're going to get to work. A uh, bunch, of, bunch of things covered in this episode, but just wanted to touch on it. And remind you also that Costco Pizza is good. As always, leave a five-star rating review. Talk to you later. Good night.